0: Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Today, we'll be speaking to Alistair Johnson, who is the founder and CEO of Nuggets. Nuggets is a consumer blockchain product that helps users to log in, pay, and verify their identity uh, using biometrics without the need for sharing their data and protecting their privacy. Our guest, Alistair, has spent over 25 years working as an entrepreneur and innovator, leading product development and product marketing for brands like Microsoft, Skype, Office, Xbox, HoloLens, Disney, TED, and the BBC. For those of you who've been actively listening to this podcast, you may remember Bancorus and Bluzel from episodes 3 and 9, both of which were accepted into JD.com's inaugural Beijing-based blockchain accelerator. Nuggets is also one of the other six startups that was accepted into the program. So you may be wondering why we keep talking to startups from the JD.com accelerator. The reason is that, unsurprisingly, JD has managed to choose very high-quality projects. And we at Decrypt Asia aim to speak to these high quality projects as well as other top entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders in the space of blockchain from around Asia. So let's jump into the interview. Welcome to the show, Alistair.
1: Thank you. Uh, Very good to be here. Thank you very much.
0: So I'm very excited to interview you because I see myself using the application that you're building and I'll get into all of the nitty gritties, but before we get into the details, I want to get to know your story. You know, what's your background? How did you get introduced to blockchain and what's the story behind Nuggets?
1: Um, Yeah, sure. So um, uh, we've been doing Nuggets uh, a couple of years uh, now, uh, sort of officially, so to speak. Uh, Before that, I worked at uh, Microsoft uh, in terms of uh, innovation with product uh, and across to uh, the consumers with those uh, products. Uh, Sort of some special projects in amongst that in leadership roles, working with brands uh, like Xbox, uh, HoloLens, uh, obviously Skype and uh, Office in terms of that. So I spent a number of years there and then before that I had my own digital business and then basically I've been in the digital space for about uh, 25 years and uh, not want to show me age too much and this very young uh, entrepreneurs market <laughs> these days um yeah. but um yeah so i did that and uh, initially we was looking at uh, cloud solutions and almost like dropbox type solutions of uh because uh, it all came from uh, the initial instance when i had my own card used fraudulently uh, online my details were taken from some location where i'd stored uh, my personal information. I had to cancel it, and then when I came back and eventually got a new card two weeks later, and I realised I had to start plugging it back into like hundreds of different locations where I'd I'd got my personal information and my payment information. And I just thought this is this is crazy. This is I'm I'm trusting like a hundred. Uh, different businesses, all that they're looking after these in the best manner they are. And even when you do see these breaches, they're often the bigger companies that have got really good security and abilities in the first place. Uh, but we just, uh, I just found that uh, there were so many breaches going on at the time and it just dawned on me there had to be a better way. So we, we started looking at um, uh, solutions, like I said, almost like a sort of Dropbox type solution uh, of storing your personal information. Uh, in a way uh, that no one else could get to it, and then the key thing we realized we needed uh, was uh, zero knowledge storage. Now, at the time, there was regulation uh, uh, in Switzerland where you could have servers uh, that could effectively have regulation zero knowledge storage, and then there was workarounds on other cloud solutions, but all quite clunky and not necessarily global solutions. And uh, and then uh, I started uh, uh, looking at blockchain more and more. And as I did, it was a bit of an epiphany. Uh, I was like a small child at the time. Uh, I got very excited that it was ticking uh, both uh, encryption, privacy, zero knowledge storage. Uh, it had the trust uh, principles in there and the immutable ledger. So it really was something that ticked all the boxes for for us. Um, I mean, that, that was uh, where it set off from. At that point, it accelerated very quickly and we developed the concept out towards the, the blockchain principles. And uh, that's really where it all came from and how we got going on it.
0: So I've lost my card a couple of times as well, you know, after a couple of big nights uh, out. And so I, I've <laughs> faced what you faced in the past. So I, I appreciate what you're building. You mentioned a couple of technical things, uh, which I'll get into as we progress through the interview. But before that, I just want to kind of understand the, I mean, you mentioned one of the problems, which is, you know, you lose your card and then you have to update the card in like a hundred different places where you've given your card details. But more broadly speaking, what are some of the other problems that you're solving with this project?
1: Well, uh, what we realized was uh, fundamentally out there at the moment, uh, every business has a database of personal information of their consumers. And uh, we're seeing that as those databases get bigger and whether they're payment uh, providers or whether they're retailers or banks or health or other scenarios like that, uh, these uh, these, uh, silos of honeypot uh, uh, personal information, as we call them, get bigger and bigger. They become more valuable and therefore also vulnerable. Because someone sees the value of all that collated information in spot, all those credit card numbers, all those passwords, all those emails and other things that have a value out in uh, the open market in both uh, criminal terms and uh, marketing terms where it can be abused and stuff. So... Uh, we realized that, uh, the the amount of breaches that were going on, and it, at the time it was ju- it was really just getting into a pace like once a week a really big breach was going on from very big brands, and no one wanted it the brand didn 't want it the, the, the individuals certainly didn 't want it and We realized very quickly that although there 's this billion dollar industry of protecting the existing model. It was a broken model because it didn't matter how many millions that people were uh, uh, throwing at it, it was still getting breached. Uh, There was too many weak points. There's too many humans almost involved with it, Uh, that were able to leave uh, passwords around on post-it notes and things like that. If you saw the famous one after the alert in Hawaii. They had their username and password on the post-it note in the back of a photo, which was quite a classic. But, you know, you get these very big brands saying that um, uh, they've got 500 people looking after your security and privacy. But to my mind, that's 500 weak points because each one of those has, often has a username and password and uh, uh, can access at root level into that information. And what we very quickly saw was uh, this is a broken model and it needs to fundamentally change. Personal information should be kept by the person. And it's a common sense rule, really, um, instead of spreading it around the internet. And that's really where we uh, uh, worked from in terms of a zero knowledge. And the whole premise uh, behind Nuggets is to uh, not share that personal information if at all possible. And if a piece is required, the absolute minimum should be shared. Um, but like I say, ideally over time, we see that it will be more a tokenized principle of information rather than actual uh, clear text information being shared. So that, that's, that's the key thing, why what we're doing. Now it materializes in what almost is a, uh, a simple form of login, uh, payment and ID verification. But um, behind that is like a personal cloud where you're building up your components of your own information and you can move around and it's transitional and it can get more and more use over time. So that's really the essence of what we're doing. And the verified ID principle, again, comes from that personal experience when you get uh, the fraud department from your bank. I had it actually yesterday. And they ring me up and then they say, can you prove, um, can you do your security information? Tell us your mother's maiden name, your first pet, name and uh, different characters from your password and you keep doing it until we've almost used all of your password and but they won't prove it's them at any point which is really scary when you're handing over so much personal information so that was another component we realized that we had to prove out as well is verifying your ID when you're on phone calls or in stores uh, or people visiting door, you know, people's doors uh, uh, and saying they're the electric board or whatever. So those are the components that materialize off this uh, uh, solid foundation of identity and products and services. That's the key thing. It's not just identity. It's how it relates to payment and products and services.
0: So you mentioned kind of three aspects, you know, login, payments, and identity. And you also mentioned, you know, your application, you know, into the e-commerce segment. Could you talk a little bit more about how this kind of plays in, perhaps walk through the customer journey? You know, if, if I'm a user and I, if I want to start using Nuggets, where all will I be interacting with Nuggets in, in relation to login payments and identity?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, normally the way it works is you download uh, Nuggets and you uh, sign up uh, with your biometrics. This creates a, a private key uh, for access to your blocks on the blockchain. Uh, and then after that, uh, you add a photo ID and you uh, we correlate that photo ID with a selfie, which proves you're, you're a human being moving around. So it's almost dual factor biometrics at that point. Uh, we, so it's proving that that photo ID is good and the individual with this account has matched against that and then we add a payment method and we correlate all these components to basically give us a cornerstone of trust so that you can then start to do your first payment and the retailer can have a certain level of confidence that you are who you say you are and that your payment is good so at that point you can then log into a retailer site or you can then pay for a product very easily and every time you log in Uh, and it needs additional uh, verification for revisiting your app and you have to use your biometrics to uh, verify that to get in I and mean, it's important that we have a manual step and it's not just pure qr code and that we just and we do come back to biometrics for that extra security level as well and then the same for payment if you decide to check out with uh, nuggets uh, you verify of your biometrics if you verify id you verify of your biometrics so it's always uh, certain that it's you who's on the other end of that so uh, that's the basic principle in terms of going into logging. Now, the additional component we also have is uh, when that uh, product goes out for delivery, we can associate a token to go with that courier, and when they get to the door, Uh, They can actually uh, ping you at the door and you can verify on your app that you've received the package and that you're the right person to receive the package. Now, if you look at telcos and that when they're sending out, you know, $1,000 phones and such like, it's very important that you get them. There's a lot of... um, business uh, chargeback costs uh, in fact it's 46% of uh, chargeback uh, back fraud uh, sorry retail fraud is chargebacks so it helps to prevent that so very quickly you can actually see that this is really uh, an economic value for the business and it's actually a business b2b play in that what we're doing is uh, we're helping with uh, fraud and identity of cards and people coming in who shouldn't be, and we're helping for uh, chargebacks, and we're helping on false positives uh, and preventing those. Because if you look at the US market, as an example, where it's quite bad, fraud card and identity fraud is 16 billion in 2016. Now, uh, false positives, which is when they risk assess your card and say you're not good today, but your card is actually good is 118 billion. Now that's six times the amount of actual card fraud. So retailers are losing an absolute fortune against risk assessment. And the key thing that we bring in with nuggets is we wouldn't as you do a transaction, we put a transparent flag on that transaction to say it was a good transaction, but we don't show what you spent and how much it was, because we have a privacy framework. Now, what this helps is that when you built up, say, 100, 2000 uh, transactions, on that uh, digital identity and you then go to do a, uh, another retail transaction, you don't need to be risk assessed because you're being pre-approved in effect. It's using the trustless network principle to demonstrate that you're a good actor. And as you can see further down the line, you may not need to have credit references when you've got thousands and thousands of proofs of good uh, actor on the network. And we also do this with the merchant as well. So they're proving that they're a real merchant and not a phishing site as well. And that's where the real value of the blockchain comes in trustless network principle
0: right so you just mentioned merchants um, and so carrying forward the the journey that we were talking about so I get it from a customer's point of view you know you use the nuggets app to log in uh, using your biometrics you use it to make sure that the transaction goes through that the payment goes through and then Mm -hmm. once the courier comes you can use the nuggets app to verify your identity from a merchant's Mm -hmm. point of view how does it work what are the steps involved if I'm a merchant and I want to start using your application
1: Yeah, so we actually work with the merchants now. If if you're an existing merchant on Magento or Shopify, that's something that we can work uh, with their existing APIs uh, to tie in uh, the the payment model and the login models and things like that. Now, some of the bigger players tend to be more bespoke, and we work with those in a bespoke manner. But effectively, what's happening? You've got a consumer wallet on one end. You've got a merchant wallet on the other end, and also on the merchant side, the Staff need individual wallets to access the merchant wallet so what this also does is identify the staff that are accessing it and also removes the need for username and passwords uh, at the access point from the merchant as well and then they've got a a control panel uh, in terms of where they can interact with the merchant wallet on there so it makes it safe and then on the third component we've got an effective um, uh, payment gateway uh, wallet as well now we can work with existing payment gateways or we can use our own um, and uh, we can also use uh, different token principles for payment so we can have our own token we can have uh, existing EMV co tokens which are quite common nowadays or proprietary tokens from certain payment gateways that we can use as well.
0: We've talked about the two stakeholders uh, you know the consumers as well as the merchants uh, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about you know how the Uh, what what role the token plays but before that i had a quick question before we go to the token part you know you mentioned the problem previously about having you know hundreds of login passwords and you know you you've you use multiple softwares and accounts um and and you have these you know multiple passwords that you have to remember will i be able to use nuggets to log into multiple applications softwares and other accounts that i use
1: yeah. Now, there's, there's some really interesting developments that's only happened over the last month, and one of those is Orfin. And uh, that principle from W3C uh, actually works to uh, the digital identity principle. So uh, it's something that's uh, going to be rolled out to a number of browsers soon as well, which very quickly uh, enables uh, a, a principle of digital identity like Nodgots to work with a lot of Uh, existing providers and roll that out. But also we can provide um, APIs and SDKs for people to work with us quite easily in terms of like a paragraph of code uh, to access it. Now obviously we need those to be uh, partners or to work with your thin principle to uh, be able to access that. And that's uh, something obviously that we're working on, but we've had a lot of uh, uh, interest from uh, a number of global banks, Uh, they tend to look at us in terms of consumers and their merchant services and then the telcos because they've got a lot of uh, security issues. People are having their phones overtaken. you still got to log in. you still got to pay monthly. And there's a lot of customer service interaction as well that needs verifying. And then, of course, there's a retailer uh, on that side where uh, they tend to be uh, quicker to move and have a a good appreciation of the value of what we can bring to it. But, yeah, in future, the, the, the real potential is that uh, you can add your Nuggets account in instead of your credit card to other services. That way, you can have all the breadth of that service, but you're not leaving your personal information in their honeypot silo. You're, you're just using the, the tokenized representation from Nuggets in there. But when you come to pay, you can still uh, access that token for payment. And if it's ever breached or abused on the other end, it'll have no use to uh, anyone uh, beyond the control of that specific requirement and it can always be revoked as well
0: so speaking of the token uh, could you explain the role of the token from both you know the consumer's perspective and the merchant's perspective how does the whole incentive mechanism work and you know who who bears the cost who who benefits and and what your role is in the middle do you take sort of a cut in the middle or how does the whole process
1: work yeah sure so when a consumer downloads uh, the app uh, sets it up uh, logs in uh, maybe refers, uh, uh, does a payment transactions or verifies ID. They actually get incentivized on the consumer side with tokens, which they can then use for products and services, uh, which has great value in that. Now, on the economic cycle side of it, uh, the merchant actually pays in token for services and the value, the income model uh, is actually, uh, we take a small transaction fee from the merchant side uh, for uh, payment transactions and other services uh, which are paid in tokens. And that is what gives it a cyclical value uh, of the tokens. So it is, it's quite a simple model in terms of what it is, but it's uh, great for the consumer side. And it's also great for uh, the merchant side in, in terms of being able to enable it.
0: Right, got it. So let's talk about this tech stuff a little bit. So you mentioned three key technologies in your white paper, which are central to your product. So you have the biometrics, which helps to capture the data, then you encrypt this data, and then you kind of store it in a blockchain and use it in a private blockchain and use the public Ethereum blockchain to power the transactions. So high level, is that how it works?
1: Yeah, uh, basically, uh, what we do is, uh, so you sign up, you get your private key uh, associated to your biometrics, and uh, then you, what we, and this is the reason why everyone often asks us, why is it called nuggets, and when we was explaining to everyone about the blockchain principle in the early days, when a lot of people didn't understand it, we were saying it was like little nuggets of information, so we componentize all these individual bits of information, so we're only ever giving the minimum, if at all, uh, we get any information, So these are in nuggets in itself in terms of tokens uh, and blocks within the blockchain so we we apply those into that and uh, currently we're actually uh, we encrypt on the device first uh, with our own uh, encryption and then we place it inside obviously the encryption of the blockchain so it's dual encryption well then we've also got a privacy framework on top uh, uh, because as we often uh, see with uh, uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain, you can see a lot of the activity underneath. And so we've put the privacy framework on top of that so that uh, people don't always want to reveal every detail. Now, uh, at the moment, uh, we're actually built it in an agnostic manner because it is a nascent technology. And uh, these uh, blockchains are coming out and evolving all the time, faster transaction per second, different value propositions. And it, uh, we've always looked at that and. Uh, looked at the potential of migrating over to better platforms if necessary. Um, uh, Currently we're using Ethereum and we run that on a a private uh, blockchain. And the reason for that at the moment is uh, twofold. One, to do all the donkey work in the private realm and keep down the the transaction costs, but also to get a faster transaction rate, you know, 100 to 400 transactions per second uh, in terms of that, whereas you're only getting uh, 10 to 20 on the public.
0: You know, Ethereum has, you know, as our listeners may know, it's experiencing some scalability problems and the time to finality is long and latency is high and and that affects you. And you're open to moving to a different protocol, a different platform?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are. It's not something that we necessarily want to do We're trying to do, but obviously we need the transaction per second. uh, abilities uh in there and also the cost of the network on the public uh especially when you're doing smaller interactions uh you know can be quite high so uh it's something that we've always had in mind and also at the end of the day blockchain is a nascent technology and uh, we are i've i've said in the past that it's almost like i w- i was at the early days of the internet not the very early days Uh, I can't say, but definitely when it was becoming more commercially viable for um, information sources and for brands and sites and stuff like that. And I remember it being going from uh, uh, black text on white background and being very straightforward and starting to get more involved. And I think where we are now with blockchain is almost that stage. And uh, the potential for the future is immense. And what is exciting is... Uh, uh, people as a whole uh, will find the uses uh, for new technology and evolve it in a way that we'd never have perceived. I mean, to think, what, 20 odd years ago uh, uh, from the internet, and then we're now doing all our banking and services uh, on the internet. And I think the same is going to happen, but I think it's going to be less years. It might be 10 years, maybe even five years before uh, blockchains a lot more Uh, immersed in everything we do and I think we'll see it more and it won't become the buzzword that it is now either It'll, it'll be very commonplace and you won't really even know that you're using blockchain. It's, it's like you don't go around going, am I using Java today or am I using uh, well, other, other protocols? Uh, I think it'll be, uh, you know, integrated. And that, that's what's exciting, actually, is the problems it solves, the real people problems. Uh, sometimes we all get too excited with the technology and try and find a use for it. Uh, but I, I definitely think it's all about uh, the best solutions for people problems at the end of the day. And, and that's what we're aiming to do, really. And that's where we come from in terms of that. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of it.
0: Uh, you mentioned that as far as you know, storing the data is concerned, you use a private chain and the nodes the will be known to you and will store the data uh, and that data mm-hmm. will be encrypted. But do you see any points of weakness or vulnerability there, even though the data is encrypted?
1: Yeah, well, we use uh, dual encryption, and part of that is for the agnostic ability to be able to migrate in future. So, we're in there. So, we then obviously use the, the encryption of the blockchain, and then we've got the privacy framework. Uh, and we we've already counted uh, it's almost like we've already seen uh, potential weaknesses and then counted them with that principle. And also, uh, it's keen that uh, merchants and other parties on the network have their own nodes uh, to keep it decentralized. Uh, we don't want to be the controller. we see ourselves as a, an enabler, not a holder of the information. And uh, that's a very important principle because at no point does Nuggets have any access to any individual's information. And it wouldn't be right if it did because we'd otherwise be effectively creating another centralized uh, repository uh, that we could uh, would introduce a, a weak points from us having access to it. So, you know, we're very much more about being an enabler and also uh, the potential for future migration, and you know maybe moving that identity across uh, and working with other platforms as well.
0: Right, got it. You mentioned uh, the use of certain interoperability projects like Polkadot, which I guess will make the transition between the pri- private and the public chain smoother, as well as some scalability, scalability projects like Raiden, which you want to use at a later stage. Could you talk about how this would make the user experience more streamlined and quicker?
1: Yeah, well, I think there's some, you know, some great products uh, like Cosmos, Polkadot, uh, Block Collider and other services uh, like that uh, that are getting very close now, uh, probably not so much with Polkadot, although Parity have other bridging solutions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the the beauty of this is, uh, there's, I don't think there's ever going to be one answer to whether it, that be blockchains, cryptocurrencies. I, I'm more of a believer as uh, multiple solutions and maybe horses for courses uh, uh, and relevant. So having such things like uh, Polkadot and Cosmos uh, has great value uh, uh, in terms of being able to work uh, and cross over to other blockchains and uh, access for value propositions that come across of and yes it may help uh, to migrate in a whole uh, but uh, yeah i mean it's, it's definitely going to make it better uh, for us all in terms of technology and as we address different issues and regulations across the globe
0: let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your go-to-market strategy you mentioned at a high level in your white paper in terms of how you're going to get the different stakeholders in the ecosystem to use nuggets Could you elaborate a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, what we actually find is uh, a lot of people think, oh, you've got to go and introduce all the consumers first. But what we've actually find is we we get cold called quite a lot um, in terms of some very big brands uh, emailing us from our website, which is uh, almost comical some days, uh, and then asking us uh, uh, to continue talks with them and then starting relationships because they see the value of it and how it can help their businesses. So we actually, uh, what we found is rather than us having to go out there and convince the consumers, the businesses are seeing the economic values uh, and the proposition of uh, Nuggets uh, working with them. And then they want to then uh, do pilots and uh, uh, push out the principle to their consumer base and actually drive it from the business out so that they get all the benefits of reducing the fraud, false positives, chargebacks and things like that. And obviously not forgetting login details and, uh, easier principles of passwords, and a lot of the businesses, especially in GD uh, in Europe with GDPR, are really getting to a point where they want to keep as little personal information as possible. So uh, it, that's actually driving the businesses uh, towards products, uh, uh, towards nuggets, and. Uh, uh, that's what's actually helping us and giving us a reach because some of these, you know, some of these uh, 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 brands uh, have enormous user base. And although we may pilot it and come out to different sectors of the business initially, uh, it gives a great potential to get a, a large user base of advocacy. And then after that, obviously, consumers can see that it's a one stop shop for uh, login, payment, and uh, verifying ID. And obviously, we, we've got a long tail of other. Uh, components that we can bring to play as well further down the line uh, as we as we work on other things so and we're finding more and more from the community on a daily basis that uh, people are coming up with ideas and as I said before it's something that I I learned very much from Microsoft if not before that That uh, the consumers will always use your product in a way uh, that is 10 times better than you as the business could envisage it Uh, because they're addressing real people problems that they've got themselves. And I'm a little bit selfish because where this is coming from is my initial problems with the internet and payment and cards and where my details have been and talking to my bank and talking to my telco. But uh, all the time that community, as it grows, they're coming up with ideas and scenarios and that. And that's what's great about this. I think that will definitely drive the product and develop it on the consumer side as well. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. I think especially the regulatory bit, I think uh, governments around the world, and we've seen recently, uh, you know, with the Facebook uh, questioning and Mark Zuckerberg's testimony as well. I think it's it's becoming more and more, uh, privacy is getting more and more attention and it's becoming more of a relevant issue. I want to talk about competition for a little bit. There are other self-sovereign identity projects uh, out there as well, who you may not be competing with directly, but perhaps indirectly. Could you mm. talk about the competition and what your value proposition is relative to these other projects?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, blockchain's always been seen as a good uh, identity uh, base, along with you know, uh, uh, asset ownership and uh, proof and so on, and numerous different principles. that blockchain's on that list of like you know nine key areas, so to speak, and um, and identity is one of those, and there is a lot. Um, Where we've come from is identity is a means to an end, Uh, and identity in itself is great and is useful. But unless you associate it with uh, products and services, uh, it's not as useful. So uh, what we've basically gone for is very much an everyday audience on that thing that all of us do in an everyday uh, scenario, Uh, be in e-commerce predominantly, or working or interacting with your telco or your bank and things like that. So. Um, some others have got even grander visions of uh, banking the unbanked, and this is also something you know further down the line we think we can also work with and contribute. Uh, uh, but there's some you know a lot bigger visions and anonymity on social networks and things like that. But we've gone uh, really to the man on the street, so to speak, the the, the person on the street, I should say, uh, uh, so to speak, and looking at what their needs are on an everyday principle because I think if you do get that everyday uh, scenario, Uh, you'll get a better growth in terms of that and also uh, a more satisfied user base as well because it isn't it isn't something that's used once we you know there's other identity and kyc products that might do for when you buy a big car or buy a house or do something but we see this as like well what what do i do most online you know i'm logging in and then i'm buying stuff uh, and, uh, well, maybe that's just me, <laughs> but it's certainly my wife as well. Um, and so we went towards that sector and that's how we've done it. It's the association, but I see a lot of value in the other ones and I, I don't derive those uh, other products and, uh, it's uh, horses for courses, uh, in terms of that. Uh, so uh, I think we've all got a uh, value and uh, it, it's growing as a movement as a whole. But that that's our niche in terms of everyday uh, payment and uh, e-commerce really.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so your company's not only been selected by the JD.com Accelerator, which is great, but also received the backing of three government bodies in the UK, the Department yeah. for International Trade, Greater London Authority, and the City London City of London Corporation. And you're kind of spearheading the whole UK-China tech mission as well. So it's kind of getting political also in a way.
1: I mean, it's Uh, great to get that support, yeah.
0: Absolutely. So could you talk about your experience and how you made all of this happen?
1: I think it it wasn't. I wish it was, uh, I've got the four-point plan that says this is how you do it for the next business coming along. But it's not not that easy and not that straightforward. It's through a a lot of work to the point of... uh, 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 not having uh, many hours of sleep and uh, never having any time to do anything uh, uh, and uh, struggling to find time uh, to spend with my kids and stuff but um, it's basically uh, I think it comes from a good idea is a good idea uh, and what, what we not what really clicks with most people is an empathy we, I've been to some very big uh, banking conferences and talked and we get asked to talk at a lot of them because they see us as blockchain stroke consumer approach and things like that and uh, I've talked to a lot of banks and afterwards people have come up to me and what is my favorite thing is they come up and say I need this as a person first and my business will benefit massively from that and that's the biggest uh, tick in the box for me is that it's uh, the, the person we have an empathy uh, with those people in that it, it's needed and as a service.
0: Absolutely, I see myself using nuggets as well. Uh, so, apart from these interesting developments, are there any more, um, you know, other developments uh, that you would want to talk about or give us like a high-level roadmap of where you're headed in the next sort of six to twelve months? I know your public sale is about to go live on the first of May, and I don't know if the podcast is going to be live by then. But if you could just, you know, give like a high-level overview on, on what you're up to over the next, uh, you know, six to twelve months.
1: Yeah, well, um, we're uh, always looking at opportunities, obviously, with different partners. We're still doing all the product build-out. We're very close to getting out uh, initial alpha as an MVP. It's important for us to say we are real and we're not just smoke and mirrors that might turn up a year and a half away. So that's important for us to do that. We will have to continue uh, ongoing developments, but hopefully the community will help us uh, in driving those pointers and different principles. But also, in, like you were saying, with uh, uh, working with the government, we've also been very lucky uh, to uh, get associated with Um, uh, like uh, a a government body in India as well Uh, but i think we're the only blockchain project uh, that's on the uh, India uh, uh, project Uh, and so uh, India we see as a massive market and is very exciting as well so really in terms of um, uh, the fundraising it's something that we want to get done get it out of the way and get back into full product mode uh, working with partners, working with opportunities in different countries and regions uh, like China, like India. We're getting a lot of pull towards Asia. It wasn't something that we initially planned. Uh, we went towards the U- UK, Europe and then US and then we got pulled towards Asia. Uh, so I guess it's it's, it's growing those uh, partnerships and, and opportunities. Uh, in terms of that and then really getting into doing product I, I can't wait I, I've got so many lists of features and uh, 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 components that I want to to add to it I just can't get it out all out of my head at this stage never mind about it, get it all built and tested and proven <laughs> at the same time so it just seems at the moment it's almost like it, it, it there's so much stuff we can't see the wood from the trees but uh, But hopefully once we get past the fundraising uh, and we've done that, uh, we can have a little bit more breathing space, grow the team, uh, grow the partners, uh, grow the opportunities and grow the product and uh, get it working in terms of bespoke uh, formats uh, for different platforms and also uh, commonplace platforms as well. And uh, uh, doing those details and those tweaks and seeing that opportunity of growing out that personal cloud of information for the individual
0: could you talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing with the body that you mentioned from the government of india uh, because that sounds yeah. interesting yeah. because i know the, you know the government of india has taken a pretty hard stance like china in terms of cryptocurrencies in general but they're viewing the technology the underlying technology which is the blockchain technology more favorably so you know i think i would be very keen to hear about uh, you know what you're doing with this body from the government of india
1: yeah, indeed, um, and uh, the reason why I didn't mention it directly is I can't remember what the, the actual name of it. So right. um, I'm, I'm just going back to uh, uh, have a look at. Uh, but,
0: but what are you doing with them? What is it? What um,
1: well, basically, it's like it's like almost like a, a, a regional accelerator in terms of they support us and help us uh, come into India work with existing regulation and things like that. I mean, in terms of what we've been doing with the FCA in doing a sandbox and testing environment, um, it's a similar uh, principle, but probably not just with the FCA. It's more with the region of India. And uh, they're seeing the opportunity. And and like you say, with the crypto and stuff, it's almost like uh, we need to get the funding out of the way so we can have easier conversations and that because of the sensitivities around that. And obviously, we've got to be respectful and uh, legal in those regions on that. But once we get back into the pure product and uh, blockchain principles, we see that's something that can grow and bring benefit to those regions. And those markets are immense. China's such an amazing market in terms of opportunity. The fact that 80% of e-commerce transactions are done through mobile, if not more. Uh, the fact that everyone's so uh, highly mobile adapted. Uh, And uh, if you look at like China, they're going to have a 5G network that's going to be bespoke. No one else in the world is doing a bespoke network. They're just sticking on the side of everything else. So the the potential for that market is immense. And then you look at the India market and it's like India's actually got more potential because it's growing and it's so fresh to a lot of these. There's a lot of great stuff going on already and we've seen with the... uh, the the striking off of some of the paper currency recently, how it drove to mobile payments and the opportunities there. So the growth potential is probably even greater in India and very exciting as well. And uh, it's something that I know Seema in particular, having come uh, uh, from India, uh, Indian origins, uh, she's very keen obviously to make a difference over there as well, as well as in China. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to be working both, with uh with uh regulators governments and regions uh, that are supporting uh in wanting to get into the technology and drive it forward for the benefit of their regions
0: yeah some very interesting times for you indeed uh i come from india as well so you know I, that's why i was very keen to you know get to know more about what you were doing you know before we wrap up i want to get your outlook on the blockchain space in general you know relatively speaking we're still in early stages but do you see any trends or where do you see, what do you see happening over the next 12 to 24 months?
1: Yeah, I definitely see uh, such things as sharding and so forth, uh, obviously coming out, getting fruition, getting those transaction rates up and uh, maybe some more stability in terms of large protocol platforms uh, so that, uh, they're not so expensive and painful as the, the uh, price goes up and down for them as well. Uh, Well, I think it's the adoption. I I think uh, earlier on the year, I was saying that this year I see as uh, blockchain coming over uh, to uh, consumer side. And you may not even know as a consumer that you're using blockchain in the near future. Uh, In the past past few years, it's been very much about large uh, protocol infrastructure, big transaction rates for banks and stuff uh, across the globe. This year, I think it's going to be more accessible to consumers and like it's going to be more omnipresent everywhere. And we're start, starting to see new opportunities and we're starting to see them being realized and put in place and benefiting people. And when the the person on the street starts to feel uh, those benefits, uh, I, I think it's just going to accelerate and accelerate and the potential and the technology because it's, uh, we're getting more time, it's had more time to develop, it'll get faster, better, more secure, more reliable, and getting around those problems that we've had in the past and just moving forward. And it won't be a, a, such a media sensational uh, piece, but it'll be good for us all as a whole.
0: Any last comments from your end? Uh, anything that you would like to tell your community or the crypto community in general?
1: um i'd I'd say you know we're we're all on this exciting wave uh you know support each other you know uh talk to us it's funny you you do get uh some people in the community that seem to go out there and uh, just want to troll i can never understand why anyone's got the time or energy uh, to go in there and give negative comments but when you get those positive comments and they are a higher proportion coming in uh it's great and we do appreciate uh people interacting interacting with us and helping us uh, with that so please i'd say keep it up and we're right at the start of some very exciting times for us all so it's like get involved with it uh, and uh, you know let's let's all grow it out into the future so it benefits us all in the end
0: all right on that note let's end the interview thank you alistair for taking the time out to come speak with us
1: thank you no problem my pleasure thank you for having me if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to this
0: podcast on itunes google play soundcloud or wherever you listen to podcasts like us on facebook twitter linkedin and telegram and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia this is your host the shard thank you for listening